My name is Paul, and I'll be reading this morning from the book of Psalms, the very first Psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Church, it's a long weekend, but you chose to be here today. Amazing. Oh, uh, we would just like to welcome back uh, Anne uh, from her trip in Southeast Asia, so welcome. Speaking of choices, um, let's do something today as a start. Let's do a game. Uh, We call this a game, Would You Rather? Do you know that game? So it's, it's a choice. It's you do have to make a choice between two choices only. So there's no in-between, just two choices, okay? So let me start. I'd like you to choose on some of these things. First, would you rather, would you rather eat broccoli or carrots? <laughs> okay, it's up to you. Second, Would you rather be an apple or a banana? (laughs) Okay. Third, would you rather be invisible or be able to read minds? (laughs) Okay. Would you rather be the most popular or the most or the smartest? Okay. This one is hard. Okay. Would you rather have a permanent diarrhea or permanent constipation? (laughs) Fifth, would you you rather be always cold or always hot? Okay. Would you rather eliminate hunger or be able to bring world peace? It's a difficult question. Would you rather be stranded on a, on a desert island alone or with somebody you don't like? <laughs> That's a difficult one. <laughs> I'd rather be alone. <laughs> Lastly, would you rather see the future or change the past? You know what? Those things are a little bit difficult because there are, no, there are only two choices. It's, it's an either-or thing. And you say it's, it's unfair because life is not like that. Life is a matter of making several choices. But you know what? Just one of the things that we do need to realize is that in our walk with God, it's an either-or matter. It's not, there's no gray area in following Jesus. Let me repeat that. There's no gray area in Christian life. And speaking of choices, that's what we are being led into as we reflect on 
Psalm chapter 1. And by the way, this season, for, for this whole summer, we would be reflecting on Psalms. By the way, I call that Psalms for the Summer. I think that's a, that's a good title, Psalms for the Summer. And today we would be reflecting on Psalm chapter 1, which really speaks about choices. And Psalm chapter 1 leads us into this choice of either serving God or not. There, were, there are only two choices. It's either you would be blessed or you would be wicked. You would be righteous or you would be unrighteous. And again, you might say, well, it's, it's so easy. Following Jesus is a matter of, of really following him. There's no other option. It's an easy choice. But is it really easy? Is it really easy to follow God and to choose him and to do what is right? Even just reflecting, for example, in the, in the context of Adam and Eve. I mean, it was a simple choice for them. It's either they follow the law or not. If either they follow what God wants or not. They have been given the freedom to make those two choices. And the choice was never to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a warning to them, and that was the commandment that was given to them. But what did they choose? They did not choose God's command. In the same manner, when you read, for example, the book of uh, chapter, chapter 24 of the book of Joshua, when Joshua reminded God's people before they were able to enter the kingdom of God, Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve whether the God of the Amorites or the other gods who are there that are living in that, in that land. But as for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. Now how is it, for example, for Joshua to say that before they would enter the promised land to command them and to warn them to choose God or not? Because at the end of the day, it's not really a simple choice. At the end of the day, when it comes to choosing God or not, to choose between wickedness and righteousness, it's, it's not an easy choice. And I, we would be delving on that later on. And as we reflect on that, we would be, first of all, be reflecting on the word blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? And it might be an easy thing for you to say. Well, the Hebrew word for blessed is esher, uh, uh, which means to be contented, or to be fulfilled. So when you speak of blessed, the Hebrew word for, asset, uh, for, for blessed is esher, which means to be contented or to be fulfilled. But there's another form, a Hebrew form for that, which is asher, which actually means to be righteous or to do what is right. So that means to be blessed is to be righteous. In that case, you become fulfilled and you become contented in life by following righteousness and the rules of God. And you might say it seems to be an oxymoron because those two things are opposite. You could not be contented if you are just being set in a narrow path or in a narrow rule. It seems to be two things that are opposite to each other. But the fact is, this is the way that God is calling us to be to be contented and to be fulfilled in life by following the righteousness of God. 
And we might complain about that because we want freedom. We want to be contented. We want to be fulfilled through the ways that we do things on our own. And so we would be reflecting on those two things today. What does it mean to be righteous before God? And the book of Psalm in chapter 1, which is the introductory text and speak of what it means to follow God, means that there are two things that we do need to do. It's either we do not do things or we do things according to God's purpose. These are the things that we need to do. And these are the things that we should not do and we would be reflecting on that today. Three verbs that speak of the things that we should not do to be righteous before God. First, that we would not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Second, that we would not stand in the path of sinners. And third, that we should not sit in the seat of the scornful. Three things, three simple things that God is asking of us not to do in order for us to be blessed, in order for us to be righteous before him. And so let us go on and move forward in terms of what it means for this threefold process of things that we should not do as righteous before God. First, blessed, a blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. To walk is actually a metaphor about following something. It's about affirming a viewpoint. It's about following a set of beliefs. In a way, that metaphor of walking means that you are already believing on something that is ungodly. If you say that we should not walk in the counsel of the ungodly means that in that case, if you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, you are already following that path. You are already following that belief. You are already believing that that is true when in fact it is not. And what would be the counsel of the ungodly? Well, of course, the counsel of those who don't believe God. The counsel of people who do not walk according to God's path. But you know, my friends, there are so many things, and there are so many counsels that we could get from this world, not only from those unbelievers. We could get that from our own emotions. Because oftentimes we follow even what we feel is right. Sometimes we follow also the counsel of our experience. When we say that this experience led us into this phase of life, then we say then this might be true or it might be the experience of others. Or sometimes we use tradition as well. When we believe that this tradition seems to be the right thing, then we follow that. That's the counsel of the ungodly. Or sometimes we might say that we follow the beliefs of what we call as popular beliefs or popular opinion. Because people believe in the same thing, then we follow that also. Remember that Latin word, vox populi, vox dea? Do you know what that means? The voice of the people is the voice of God. And so when there's this mass opinion, when, when people believe in something, then we follow suit because we believe that because so many people follow this, then this might be right. The voice of the people is the voice of God. But were the people right when they, tried to, when, when they crucified Jesus, when they shouted that Jesus should be crucified? 
There are so many instances in society and in history, by the way, when mass, when the masses, when people shouted this, this thing and only for people to believe that as well. Or political correctness. Because we believe that this is what is politically correct to be said or to be done, then we follow the same suit. That is the counsel of the ungodly. But the path towards righteousness is not just about that. It's about following the will and the purpose of God and the word of God, which is, for many, is a difficult thing to follow. Even in reflecting on the Ten Commandments, and we do believe that there was a season when we're reflecting on the Ten Commandments. Do you still remember those ten uh, uh, sermons? How many of you have fulfilled all of those ten? Even just a matter of lying or in a stealing, or of the things, or, or, or even a matter of, of the things that had been spoken of in the Ten Commandments. It is not easy to follow God. And you say that just because it's a matter of two choices between God and wickedness, it's so easy to do. The second way for blessedness would be this one, that a blessed person does not stand in the path of the sinners. First, we should not walk, which means that we tend to follow a point of view of the world, a matter of thinking, a matter of following. And then we retrogress into the second level, which is to stand in the path of sinners. To stand is actually a metaphor and speak of the formation of habits that are ungodly. It is not just a way of thinking. It's not just following what has been told to you. It is already a matter of following the patterns of this world. When you, when you develop these habits of the world, then you are already walking or, or you are already standing in the path of sinners. When your behaviors are reflective of the patterns of this world, then you are standing in the path of sinners. This is the problem when it comes to choosing God. Because when you talk about unrighteousness, it's just so easy to follow that. Let us reflect again in the context of Adam and Eve when, we, when they were called not to sin before God. They were told not to go against God, but they did the same thing. But remember what the serpent said to the woman? Is it really the case that you would die when you eat of that tree from the knowledge of good and evil? No, the serpent said, you will gain wisdom and you will be like God. You see, the counsel of this world is so difficult because it's just so appealing and it appeals to our emotion. And that, that's the reason why we, 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 we stand in the path of the scornful and we walk also in the path of sinners because of the fact that it's so easy for us to do that. It's so tempting. The moment we walk and we stand in the path of sinners, then those habits already become entrenched and we follow those same things. It's a retrogression 
from thinking, from following, towards the development of habits which is already entrenched in our own lives. But the third thing leads us deeper into sinfulness. A blessed person, thirdly, a blessed person doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. But going beforehand, let me just reflect on one thing about walking or standing in the path of sinners. The Hebrew word for sin is missing the mark. The Hebrew word for, for sin is hata, which means missing the mark or you have fallen short. Remember Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That word hata is actually an archery word. I'm not sure if anybody here uh, has a hobby for, of uh, archery, but the fact is that's an archery word, to miss the mark. And what is that mark that God has put us beforehand? It is his plan. It is his purpose. It is his will. That is the mark that has been set before you. But oftentimes we miss that mark. On a daily basis, we do sin. On a daily basis, we do things that are not according to God's purpose. That, my friends, would be standing in the path of sinners when constantly we are missing the mark. But thirdly, we dig deeper into sinfulness because the Bible says a blessed person does not sit in the seat of the scornful. To sit, which is an infinitive word in, in Hebrew, is actually lashavet, which means to abide, to remain, or to dwell. So you start first with thinking and following the viewpoints of the world. And second, you become entrenched and you follow the behaviors of this world. And thirdly, you become contented with the ways of the world. To sit in the seat of the scornful means that you are already comfortable in that situation. You feel contented and you are fulfilled in that way of life. And this is the problem with sinfulness. It starts with a small thing. It starts with just following a small thing and then it leads to the development of habits and then later on you become so accustomed and, and, com and, and comfortable with the ways of this world. This, my friends, demonstrates what we call as uh, the progression or retrogression, a process of retrogression, a process wherein we dig ourselves deeper and deeper into sin. These are the things that we should avoid not to follow the ways of the world, not to adopt the ways of the world, and not to be accustomed to the ways of the world. These are the paths that God wants us to follow. And you think this is easy? Because on a day-to-day -day basis, we do struggle with sin. And on a day-to-day -day basis, we do retrogress. And that's why God calls us into another space of the things that we need to do in order for us to be blessed and to be righteous. Remember that there are only three things that we should not do to be blessed. Not to follow the ways of the world in terms of our thinking. Not to become entrenched and develop these habits and patterns of this world. And third, 
not to be accustomed or to be comfortable with the ways of this world. These are the things we should not do. But these are things that we should do according to Scripture, according to the book of Psalm. A blessed person delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Now wait a minute, you might be saying, is this it? Is this Christianity? Is this about what, what following Jesus is? Is it just about following rules? Meditating on the laws of God? Delighting on His laws? But you see, my friends, when it comes to our walk with God, it is not just about following and being legalistic to the rules that God has given us. This was the error with the Pharisees. Because for them, following God was a matter of just following all these rules to the letter. They were more concerned about the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. They were more concerned about what is written and then follow it to the letter rather what the Spirit of God wants from those laws. Following Jesus is not about a rule-based life. Following Jesus would be a life-giving experience of enjoying His presence and meditating on what His purpose is in your life. Now perhaps you might say that that is such a narrow path. Because we want freedom. In fact, when you come to think about what's going on in this world, we want to be contented and we want to be fulfilled by having the freedom to do everything what we want to do. That's how the world does, and that's how the world works. But that is not the calling of God for us. That is not His purpose. His purpose for us would be to be constantly aware of what His purpose us and what his purpose for us in in our lives. It might be a matter of reading scripture. It might be a matter of worshiping together and reflecting on the laws of God and his purpose. It might be attending Bible studies and your home churches. These are the things that God is calling us to be. And this is the reason why we are here today, my friends. This is not just about a social gathering or a holy huddle. This is about meditating on the laws of God. This is meditating on what He wants for our lives. This is the mark that He sets before us. Yes, definitely. We could, you could, we could be somewhere else today and enjoy this weather or be contented and be fulfilled through the freedom that has been given to us. But we chose this place and we chose God. And the moment you choose God, then that is a narrow path that you need to follow. But it is not a rule-based, legalistic life that God wants us to follow. It is, when we speak about the freedom in Christ, it is a freedom to do what He wants, rather what we want. It's not about what's in your hearts. It's about what God's purpose is in your lives. And so you have to seek that. But when you, the moment you, you allow yourself to just be fulfilled according to what your heart's desires are, then that would lead to destruction according to Scripture. There's a specific phrase in Scripture that keeps on being repeated in the Old Testament. You could find it in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8. You could find it in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. And you could find it in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. 
And you know what that phrase is? The phrase is this. And they did everything. And everyone did according to what was right in their own eyes. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is what the world is right now. And you might say that it's just in the Old Testament. You might say that that was just the case of the Israelites when they were about to be led out of Egypt, but they were still doing things according to what is right in their own hearts. And in Judges, the Israelites were warned just before they were given a king. They, they wanted to be a king. But before that, before they, they have a king, they did everything according to what was right in their own eyes. But even when they were given a king, they did the same thing. David did. Solomon did. He did things according to what was right in his own eyes. Those were the things that led Israel to be destroyed and for the Israelites to be exiled later on. It leads to destruction. It leads to sinfulness. But my friends, it is not just about what is right in our own eyes. The calling of God for us today would be that which is right before him. Of course, it is not a calling for perfection because that is not what God wants. And nobody is perfect because the righteousness that comes from the work of God is not from us, but it comes from what the work of the Holy Spirit is. You could not be righteous on your own. You could not fulfill all the laws that God has given. It is only through the righteousness that God gives through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, to be a Christian is not to be perfect. To be a Christian is not to be sinless because we do sin. But what God wants of us would be that act of repentance, that act of humility that we are willing to submit to His will and to His purpose. Because when we confess our sins, and that is why we do that act of confession, when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. That is righteousness. That is righteousness that, that has come from our own effort, but comes from the work of God in our lives. Let me, let me leave to you these words from Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley is a permanent author, and he said, Experience is not what happens to a man. Rather, it is what a man does with what happens to him. Let me repeat that. Experience is not what happens to a man. Rather, it is what a man does with what happens to him. Falling down is not experience. It is rising up from where you have fallen. That is experience according to Aldous Huxley. And that is what Christian life is. It is not about falling from sin. It's about rising from the sinfulness that you have experienced and asking for God's forgiveness. That act of repentance is the thing that God wants from us. We are not perfect. And of course, God is not asking of us to be, to, to, be, to be perfect in terms of not committing sin. Because while we are still on earth, the power of sin will still prevail. But until the time, we are dependent on His will. We are dependent on His work. And we are dependent on His laws. And so we continue to gather and worship and do Bible study. And so on August 11, we would be worshiping together. 
And we have so many ways that we would be gathering in, home ch in your home churches. I would invite you to do so. Join the home churches because those are the things that you meditate on the laws of God, on the goodness of God. We invite you to be here when we invite you for worship on Sundays or even on any other days because those are the times that we reflect and we delight on the purpose and the will of God in our lives. Friends, there are three things that you should not do because these are a process of retrogression that you should not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Do not follow their way of thinking. That second, do not stand in the path of sinners. That means that you are developing the habits of this world. And third, do not sit in the seat of the scornful. That means that you do not become comfortable and be accustomed to the ways of this world. These are the things that you should not do. Rather, you should delight on the laws of God. Rather, you enjoy the presence of God in your lives. I pray that as we have this communion today, may this be a reminder for us. May we experience the life-giving experience that we have in Christ when he died on the cross and he was resurrected again so that we would have life. Friends, enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy it. Enjoy him. Enjoy the ways that you gather together as a church. And I pray that we would do so. And so as a reflection today, I would like us to read again our scripture. And I'd like you to open your Bibles.